Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. If you're a regular listener to this broadcast, you'll know that we've been enjoying presentations made by Dr. Jennings in Texas back in early 2020. His Power of Love seminar opened a lot of eyes and minds in the Lone Star State, and we hope that's happening now as we've been airing this series for you. Today, Dr. Jennings begins by reflecting on 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5, which identifies a war that's raging and puts us, God's people, right in the middle of it. But we learn that we don't wage war as the world does. Oh, no. There are major differences. Let's listen. The weapons we use, they're not weapons of the world. On the contrary, They have divine power to demolish strongholds. And I love the emphasis here is we notice what we demolish. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God that are distorting. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Jesus Christ. And so we understand that this war is a war of ideas. It's a war of truth battling against lies. And Satan's number one weapon is lies. The lies that we believe that break the circle of love and trust. And that broken love and trust results in fear and selfishness. And fear and selfishness results in all those destructive actions or behaviors the Bible calls sins. And many people like to focus on the deeds, forgetting the condition of the heart that leads to the deeds. But it's really the condition of the heart. When you change the heart, the actions change. These persistent fear, self-based behaviors are destructive to our minds, to our characters, to our relationships. This is a terminal condition. And the Bible says we're dead in trespass and sin. The healing solution. Lies believe, break the circle of love and trust. The healing solution starts with the truth. Truth believe. This is why the truth will set you free. Truth believe destroys lies and wins us back to trust. Has to start with the truth, the truth about God. And when we're one back to trust, we open the heart. Because I trust you, Lord. You've been standing at the door of my heart knocking with truth. The truth has now shattered the lies that I've always believed. I no longer am afraid of you, God. I love you. I trust you. I open my heart. I invite you in. And it says in Romans 5, 5, he pours his love into our hearts. And all of you who have accepted Jesus into your heart, you know that experience, that joy, that peace, that love. And that love casts out fear. You stop living in fear of God. You start rejoicing, celebrating. You have peace in your heart. And in this new experience of love and trust based on the truth of who God is, not just the cognitive truth now, the truth that you know by experiencing Him, by spending time with Him, by letting Him into your heart, you know the truth. And this love and trust based on the truth results in acts of service, not acts of selfishness, acts of giving, not acts of taking, acts of beneficence, acts of love. And these acts of love and service and beneficence witness the kingdom of God, and help us grow in godliness. And it takes the message forward. So notice the whole healing cascade in this war starts with the truth about God. Because the truth destroys lies and wins us back to trust. And that's the key. So understanding that, we want to identify the various ways Satan lies, the types of lies, and then we can wield the weapons of truth to demolish those strongholds. 
And the core lies are always going to be lies about God, which leads to distrust. And we've been emphasizing this whole weekend that the root lie that is the root of all of them, and there's many, many branches of these types of lies and manifest in many ways, but the root lie is that God's law is like human law. This is the root lie. And when we accept this idea that God's law is like human law, then we accept the idea that God's justice is like human justice, and we accept the idea that God's justice is like human justice, and that means God is the source of inflicted pain and inflicted suffering, inflicted punishment, which means that we, we realize that we've done wrong, it's our fault, but it's just God, he has to be just, and so he has to punish because that's what we do and that's what we think, and therefore we need to be protected from the judge. And so we create theologies designed to hide us or protect us from the judge, or we create beliefs that are antithetical, meaning if one is true, the other can't be true. Like God is love, but if you don't love him, he'll torture you in hell or kill you. And that does not make sense when you understand the law of liberty. And why does it damage the mind? Because if you try to hold both of those beliefs at the same time, it's unreasonable, you can't reason. And so people will say, you know, I don't really think about that. I just take that on faith. And once you go down the trail of turning off your reasoning, turning off your critical thinking, turning off that ability God has given you to examine facts, evidence, truth, to weigh things out, to be fully persuaded in your own mind, once you surrender that, then you are vulnerable to believe anything. And it damages the mind. Now, irrational beliefs, beliefs that make no sense, nonsense beliefs like, I love you, but if, if you don't love me, I'll, I'll, I'll kill you. That's nonsense. That's an irrational belief. That's not the same thing as unexplainable beliefs. Unreasonable beliefs are irrational. But there's many things we can believe we can't explain that are rational. For instance, I can believe a jet engine will fly an airplane. will power an airplane so it can fly. Very rational. But I can't explain to you how a jet engine works. It's unexplainable to me. I don't know how that works. There's many things that are rational and believable, logical and sensible, that we may not be able to explain. We're not talking about that. We're talking about these irrational, nonsensical, unreasonable things that are actually contradictory. That's the kind of thing that damages the human mind. The truth about God's law sets us free because we understand design law, then even if we can't explain mechanistically how something might work, we can understand process-wise how this is either true or not true. So we can understand, regardless of whether we can explain the mechanisms of eternal burning fire and those things, we can understand, if you understand the law of liberty, that God cannot be saying, love me or I'll kill you. But he can be saying, love me, let me heal you, because if you don't, you're going to die. Love can say that because of the condition with which you suffer, because of your circumstance. If you won't let me deliver you, you're going to die. I love you so much, I don't want you to. And love can say that makes perfect sense. And so understanding design laws gives us clarity in dissecting or differentiating these various ideas that can be put forth. I read in a book recently that the demon will tell you nine truths to get you to believe one lie. And there's a lot of truth in that idea. The most effective lies are those that are mixed with some piece of truth. They're just warped or distorted slightly. Remember how Satan tempted Christ by quoting a scripture 
taking a little piece of truth, but, but not quoting it quite accurately and misrepresenting it, making it appear to say something it didn't. So as we come back to design law lens, it becomes very clarifying for us. And we understand that sin itself is the source of pain, suffering, and death because sin takes us out of harmony with the law of God, which is the laws upon which reality and life are built to operate. And only pain, suffering, and death occur there. And that makes a whole lot of sense. And then we understand the power of sin is the law. Just like when somebody jumps off a tall building, the power that causes them to suffer and die is the law of gravity. That's the power. The law does not change. God does not change the law of gravity to meet the person flying through the air on their way to the ground. So if we're going to save that person, that person has to be delivered from that circumstance. And thus the human race, after Adam's sin, God does not change his law to meet the sinner in sin. God instead sent Christ to take humankind that was damaged by Adam and to alter the trajectory through his own action to open a new pathway and to take humanity back into harmony with God. That's what he came to do. God is always good and always the source of life. He's never the source of suffering, pain, and death. So another type of way lies or distortions and misunderstandings get introduced is when symbols, even godly Bible-given symbols or rituals, or ceremonies, or theatrical acting out illustrations or lessons are misunderstood, misapplied, or have false meanings attached to them. This is Isaiah chapter 1, starting verse 11. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me? Says the Lord, I have more than enough burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fatted animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and, and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you? this trampling of my courts. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. Your new moon, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. And then verse 18, come, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be white like snow. Though they're red like crimson, they'll be made like wool. You notice God is berating the people of Israel for doing what? For all of the ceremonial things, symbolic things that they were doing. And who told them to do all those things? Who gave them those instructions? God gave them those instructions. And then why is he berating them if they're doing what he said? It says in the text, because they were meaningless. They were doing ritual, symbol, without meaning. There was nothing of value in the symbol, nothing of value in the meaning, nothing that was healing. It was simply a, an illustration to get them to understand the true meaning, which was reasoning with God through the evidence, through the truth, which will destroy the lies that they've been believing, which would win them back to trust, which would open their heart for the indwelling spirit to bring the victories of Christ into their life. Give him a new heart and right spirit. In the Old Testament, it's filled with this stuff. And I will take out your heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. I will write my law in your heart and mind. This is all through the Old Testament. It was always about inner transformation of the person. They didn't understand this. They got stuck in ritual and symbol without meaning. Many people do this today. There's power in the blood, cleansed by the blood. Is there power in the blood? i.e. the red corpuscles, or maybe the white corpuscles. They're the, immune, they're the immune cells. It's the white corpuscles where the power is, not the red ones. 
Is the power in the blood? Or is the power in the one who shed his blood? And the blood is a symbol. What is it a symbol of? In the penal legal view, it's a symbol of the life that was, that was executed or punished in our place. And thus it's the death penalty that has been paid for us. And that's what they will tell you. The blood represents the payment of his life for you in a legal fashion that gets applied to your book in heaven. Oh no. Leviticus tells us the life is in the blood. The blood represents the life of Christ. And Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Where does Christ tell us his blood is to be applied in a book or inside of you? So we must be partakers of the divine nature. We must be partakers of the life of Christ. We must receive his life into our hearts and minds. And that cleanses us from fear and selfishness. We get a new heart and right spirit. It's always about healing the inner man. But we've been so conditioned to think there's actually power in the blood when it's just a symbol of the life of Christ where the power is. Well, our time is up once again, but not to worry. We'll pick up right here on our next broadcast. I hope you'll join us. Many more good things to learn, I assure you. By the way, the sponsor of this program, Come and Reason Ministries, operates a very active website designed with you and me in mind. At comeandreason.com, we find books and articles and blogs and videos and radio programs. As a matter of fact, you can look at the video version of these presentations you've been enjoying for the last few weeks right there at comeandreason.com. So I hope you'll stop by and check it out. So until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music>